everyone. It's great to be here with you this morning. My name is Ashley Lentz. I'm the discipleship pastor here at our Ankeny campus, and it's so good to see you here this morning. Can you believe we're singing Christmas carols and kicking off the season of Advent? Uh, that means Christmas is just four weeks away, and it is coming way sooner than, than we think it will be here. And I'm so excited as we kick off this new sermon series for these weeks leading up to Advent. It's called Here He Comes Again with the hashtag Mighty Messiah. And we look forward to the birth of Jesus that we get to celebrate on Christmas. And if you've been around the church long or even here at Hope, you know that Advent is this four weeks leading up to Christmas. We expectantly wait for the birth of Jesus. And typically we have like candles and wreaths that we call the Advent candles. And here's a picture of last year's Christmas Eve worship service, and we built these giant candles that hung out on stage to remind us of the season of Advent. And there's four weeks to Advent, but there's actually five candles. The white one, always stands in the center, is what we light on Christmas Day as the reminder of the birth of Jesus. And these four themes of Advent, Advent or these four pillars of Advent, are what we'll be talking about uh, in this sermon series leading up to Christmas. These themes are peace, joy, love, and hope. And we begin uh, the series with hope. And when I saw that I was preaching on hope, I thought, cool, but it's kind of hopeless in the world around us is what I thought. I thought, how do we bring hope into our world today? We, so we light the candle this weekend, you know, metaphorically on the screen for the Advent candle of hope. This season has kind of been one, this year maybe, has kind of been one where I have felt pretty hopeless. There's been a lot of things that have felt that way. I have some silly stories to portray this point, but I think you'll get it. Uh, I really, really love Costco. And at the beginning of October, Tyler and I walked into Costco, and they had all of their Christmas stuff out. And I was picking out what I wanted as a lawn ornament that, you know, like lights up for Christmas time. My ultimate goal is to have like a gingerbread house and have my whole yard filled with cool stuff and my house decorated and Tyler's really excited about trying to hook up all those lights someday. So I picked out at the beginning of October what I was going to get for my lawn this year. And I usually just get like one thing every year so it just builds over time. Well, I of course couldn't buy it at the beginning of October because it wasn't even Halloween yet. So I just, you know, made a mental note and I was like, okay, we'll come back and get it. So a couple of weeks ago, we went to Costco and they were out of Christmas decorations. None of the stuff that was there at the beginning of October was still there. So I thought, not a problem, I'll order it online. So standing in Costco, get on my phone, pull up Costco online. They sold out online too. I was like, it's not even Thanksgiving and I can't buy the Christmas things I want. And there went my hope for Christmas. I thought, my hope is gone because I can't even decorate my house the way I want to for Christmas time. Our family around this time of year always has a tradition of cutting down Christmas trees. And this year, we weren't going to get to go with my whole family to cut down Christmas trees. And we've done this every year since I've been alive. And even before my parents were married, my dad's family did this. And my mom went with them uh, when they were dating, then they got married. So literally, this is all I've ever known. It's one of my favorite holiday traditions. And this year, I thought, we're going to have to get an artificial tree. And there's nothing wrong with artificial trees. And in fact, you save a lot of money over time with an artificial tree. But I just, that's just not how we do it in my house. And I thought, there goes even more hope. But here's a small drop of hope this morning. This is the tree that currently stands in my living room. 
It is a real tree. We did get to go cut down a tree. Didn't look the same as it has in years past, but I did get to cut down a tree. And I had to buy more lights and more ornaments to fill my tree because it's by far the biggest tree we've ever had. And praise Jesus for vaulted ceilings. Otherwise, it wouldn't have fit. So just a small drop of hope. Uh, we did get to cut down our tree. But more than that, what is stealing your hope this season? COVID-19 has stolen a lot of hope from a lot of us. Just last week here at Hope, we had four funerals. Death and suffering, it's part of this world and, and it steals our hope. It's not an easy season to walk into the holidays, generally speaking. We're busy, we miss loved ones. Throw a pandemic on top of that and it seems all, all the more hard. As we get started this morning, I want you to be thinking about hope and hopelessness. And let's, do, let's make a differentiation here between optimism and hope. Optimism is just this general confidence that we have about the world around us. And on any given day, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'll probably give you a very optimistic answer. Considering all the circumstances, I'm doing very well is something that I might tell you right now. Optimism can be a sign of hope. It's not the only sign that we have hope. But hope is different. Hope is deeper. And as I started to write this sermon, I thought there's actually a really deep theology to hope, biblical hope. And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. The Greek and Hebrew words for hope quite literally mean to wait expectantly for something, to live in tension as we wait. And this is what Advent is all about. We expectantly wait for Christmas to come. We know it's coming. We know what happens on Christmas. We celebrate it every year. But in these four weeks leading up to Christmas, we prepare our hearts. We sit in the waiting and we get kind of anxious and excited about everything that comes with the birth of Jesus. As believers, we know future hope pretty well, but we also have a present hope. Our future hope is like what we read about in our gospel reading this morning from uh, the gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples just before he's arrested and crucified. And the title in my Bible of Mark chapter 13 is Jesus talks about the end times. He talks about the future. Here's Mark 13, 26 and 27. Jesus says, Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. There's a future hope that comes because we know Jesus. This is the hope that we pray about when we say the Lord's Prayer. We pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. This is a look at a future hope that we have as believers. Revelation 21 has a beautiful image of what this future hope looks like, of heaven coming to earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. We have a lot of hope in this future that is promised to us as believers. There will be no, no more suffering or crying or hardships or pain. But in the present, 
What can we hope for? Why does hope matter right here in our present around Christmas time? As I thought about what I presently hope for, here was the list I came up with. I'm expectantly waiting, this is my hope, for a COVID-19 vaccine. I expectantly wait that our lives will not be determined by the pandemic in the world around us. I expectantly await a new normal, whatever that looks like at the end of COVID. And restoration in the world, I am hopeful that there will be restoration uh, in this place around us. 2020 has probably been the most divided year that I've ever seen in the world around us in my entire life. There's been so much social injustice, politics have completely divided our nation. Restoration is something I presently hope for. I wait expectantly for that, for the renewal that comes in this world. That's also a future hope that we have. But when I was writing this list, I thought, wow, my future hope is based in biblical truth. Those are things I know and they come right out of scripture. But my present hope is based on the circumstances of the world around me. It's not based on biblical truth. I presently hope for things that my circumstances have determined. When you think about present hope, are you thinking about biblical truth or are you thinking about circumstances like I did in this list? When we have a hope in Jesus, our circumstances do not steal our hope. They don't determine our hope. Our circumstances get no say in our hope when our hope is in Jesus. And this presently affects everything we do each and every day. Author and theologian N.T. Wright, he writes a book called Surprised by Hope. And I told you hope is this very theological thing, and if you're interested in the theology of hope, I encourage you to pick up his book. But he talks about this much better than I ever could, so we're going to break down some of what he says in his book this morning. About future hope, he says this, the ultimate future hope remains a surprise, partly because we don't know when it will arrive, and partly because at present, We have only images and metaphors for it, leaving us to guess that the reality will be far greater and more surprising still. Future hope is exciting and it's surprising and it's something we wait expectantly for as believers. It's what we read about in the book of Revelation. But here's what he says about immediate hope is what he calls it, or hope in the present. The immediate hope, intermediate hope, the things that happen in the present time is always surprising because... Left to ourselves, we develop the general belief that things may be getting worse, but that there's nothing much we can do about it. And we are wrong. He writes this book to believers and people who are interested in theology, and he calls us out right here. The general belief, we have this belief that things may be getting worse, but that there's nothing much we can do about them. In the last year, in the last month, in the last week, have you looked at the world around you and thought, whew, things are getting worse. Eh, but there's really not much I can do about it. I certainly have. Ooh, there's a lot of division in the world around us. I'll just stay off social media. That's really, there's not much I can do about it. N.T. Wright would look at you and me and he would say, we are wrong. As believers, we can do everything about it because of present hope, this intermediate hope that we have in the present time because of Jesus Christ. Now, please don't hear me. Suffering and trials, those things are real. Please don't hear that they are not real or that they do not matter. They absolutely matter, and Jesus is in them. 
But even in the face of our suffering, even in the face of our trials and grief and sadness, there is a present hope and we can do something with that hope. Our New Testament authors knew this very well. They knew this paradox of future hope and present hope, but also facing trials in that present hope. Here's what Peter writes in his letter, 1 Peter. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. He has presently given us this new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We have a present living hope, and we have a future inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This inheritance is in the future, but presently we are shielded by faith that has been given to us. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That is the reality of the world we live in, and it doesn't make it easier. It just means that there is something greater and bigger than those trials that we presently face. Here at Hope, we have some core values, and they're really awesome. Here's one of my favorites. Jesus is life. The rest is details. And it rolls off your tongue. It sounds really nice. Jesus is life. The rest is details. But as we really start to think about what this means, as we really start to chew on this, it's actually kind of hard to swallow. If Jesus is life and the rest is details, that means COVID-19 is just a detail. The death of a family member or friend is just a detail. The disease and hardship in the world around us, the division is just a detail. Actually, yeah. Jesus is life. He cares about the details. Don't, get, don't misunderstand that. He cares about the details. But he is where we find life and where we find hope. This hope in Jesus is a hope that cannot disappoint us or let us down. When we put our hope in friends or family or jobs or the circumstances in the world around us, ultimately we're going to be let down at one point or another because that's not Jesus. Jesus is life and the rest is details. And this hope that is in Jesus that we presently have because he was born on Christmas Day, this present hope will never disappoint us or let us down. Again, doesn't mean we won't face suffering. Paul writes about this in the letter to the Romans. He talks about how suffering actually moves us into hope. It gives us a reason to have present hope. Here's what Paul says. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Other translations say hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope already lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit presently. And you say, why does this matter at Christmas time? Why, why does Jesus' birth change everything? Why should I care about hope right now? N.T. Wright, again, says it better than I can. Next slide, if you would, please. Thank you. N.T. Wright says, The eternal expression of the Father's love, this future hope that we have in the Father's love, became the incarnate expression of the Father's love, became the embodied 
present expression of the Father's love so that by his self-giving to death, the whole creation can be reconciled. This thing that we're promised in the future matters in the present because Jesus entered this world. This hope is not only in the future, it is right now in the present, and it is not determined by our circumstances, and it's not just optimism in the world around us. It is something that is rooted in biblical truth. Here's the best metaphor I could come up with to kind of help explain this. So here's a picture of some lovely tulips. Tyler and I have lived in our house just over a year, and I'm a terrible gardener. Like, I can't even keep succulents alive. But this year, my mom was like, how about you buy some bulbs? And I was like, okay, I'll figure out how to plant some bulbs. So presently, I planted bulbs like a month ago. I did all this research, had to prepare my garden, had to dig certain depths because they go at different depths. Who knew? I had to put them a certain way. I had to Google which way these different bulbs had to sit in the ground. It was like this whole thing. So the presently, I was preparing in hope and expectant confidence that these bulbs will come up in the future. They will come up in the spring, hopefully. If they don't, don't ask me about it. If they do come up, I'll tell you about it. I'll show you pictures. But anyway, so presently I was working to get these bulbs ready because I expectantly wait. I hope that they come up in the spring. That is my future hope. But I walk in the present truth knowing that those are going to come up in the spring. At least I hope so. Now here's why this metaphor isn't perfect. You don't earn future hope. There is no work that you have to do right now to earn the future hope that we have in Jesus. He already did that work for you when he died and resurrected on the cross. So you don't earn future hope. But when you know that that gift has been given to you for free, we walk in the confidence of that hope today. We tell everybody around us about that hope and it brings hope to a world right now that seems hopeless. When you walk in a hope that is not determined by your circumstances, people notice. I'm not talking about optimism. I'm talking about biblical, incarnate, embodied hope. Again, N.T. Wright, here's the last quote I'll use from him, but he sums this up beautifully. He says, the whole point of what Jesus was up to was that he was doing close up in the present what he was promising long-term in the future. And what he was promising for that future and doing in that present was rescuing people from the corruption and decay presently so they could enjoy already in the present, not in the future, so that we can enjoy already in the present the renewal of creation, which is God's ultimate purpose. And so they could thus become colleagues and partners in that larger project. This eternal hope matters. What Jesus was doing was showing us that hope can live on earth. It will not look perfect and it will not be void of suffering, but it can and should exist here in all of God's people. We play a part in this, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are partners in this larger project. What we do now absolutely impacts the future hope that we already know exists because we can point others to Jesus and a hope that is not dependent on the circumstances of this world. You do not have to wait until Christmas to find hope. You don't have to wait for a COVID-19 vaccine to find hope. You don't have to wait for every relationship in your life to be restored to find hope. You don't have to wait for death to find hope. Hope lives right now because Jesus was born into this world to bring us present hope. Again, not optimism, not wishful thinking, present 
hope that will change our life and impact the world around us. So how do we live in this present hope that we know to be biblically true as we expectantly wait for future hope? How do we live now knowing this truth and waiting for this future hope? Well, number one, you can live life on a mission. You can walk in incarnate hope. Maybe this means throwing glitter around as you walk. Probably don't do that because it might be a little bit messy. I might do that because it sounds really fun. But that's not for everybody. You don't have to be optimistic each and every day. I'm not saying we all have to be extroverted optimists. You know something deeper. Maybe it comes out as optimism here and there. But maybe it's how you carry yourself through this world and what you believe about yourself on a daily basis. Did you know you don't just take up space in this world? That you have a purpose and it contributes to a future hope. Not, it contributes to a present hope, but you're also playing a part in God's story through eternity. You matter. And when you live life on a mission, when you walk in that hope, it will change the world around you. Number two, you can remind yourself daily, frequently, that hope is found in Jesus. I capitalized hope here, all caps. We're not talking about wishful thinking hope. We are talking about deeply rooted, firmly planted, biblical truth embodied Jesus hope. And that hope is found in Jesus, not in our world or our circumstances. When I thought I wasn't going to get to cut down my Christmas tree this year, I, I lost a little bit of hope. It's a family tradition we've had for a very, very long time. But my hope is not rooted in my Christmas traditions. My hope's rooted in Jesus. So even I need to remind myself that my hope is in Jesus, not in our world. If you need to put hope on note cards and put it all over your car and your desk and your house on your phone, do it to remind yourself that you have a greater hope presently. And last but certainly not least, if you need help finding hope, please reach out. If you sit here and think, gosh, I'd really like to know that hope. I'd really like to be able to believe everything she's saying. Reach out. You're not in this journey by yourself. This is what the church is for. This is what your brothers and sisters in Christ are for, to help us find hope, to point each other in the right direction when things get tough. We have trained one-to-one -one caregivers. They're totally confidential. They would love to just listen and pray with you. If you'd like to be connected with a caregiver, just email connections at hopeankeny.org. You can reach out to anyone here on staff. We would love to just sit and pray with you and point you to hope and help you find that in your life. I'm going to show you a quick uh, video clip. It's from the movie The Lorax, which was a book by Dr. Seuss turned movie in 2012. And this clip shows us uh, this town, Thneedville, and how hopeless they are. They've lived in hopelessness for a really long time, but a young man named Ted finds a seed, and the seed gives this whole town a lot of hope. And watch as this town goes from hopeless to hope-filled. Take a look. I am Ted Wiggins, and I speak for the trees. And the fact is, things aren't perfect here in Sneedville, and they're only gonna get worse unless we do something about it. Unless we change our ways. And we can start by planting this. Okay, come on now, everything's fine, right? I say we tell this kid what we think about that scene.
people! Come on! You, get out there right now and get these people on my side, or else you're fired! <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! You don't know me, but my name's Sai. I'm just the O'Hare delivery guy. But it seems like trees might be worth a try. So I say, let it grow. My name is Dan. And my name's Rose. Our son Wesley kind of glows. And that's not good, so we suppose we should let it grow. Let it grow, let it grow. You can't reap what you don't sow. Plant a seed inside the earth. Just one way to know it's worth. Let's celebrate the world's rebirth. We say let it grow. My name's Marie, and I am three. I would really like to see a tree. La, 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 la. I'm Grammy Norma, I'm old and I've got gray hair But I remember when trees were everywhere And no one had to pay for air So I say, let it grow! love that. It's so catchy. Time to let it grow. Anyway, uh, a couple verses from that song were, let's celebrate the world's rebirth. And it's just one tiny seed, but it's all we really need. That's what the birth of Jesus does for us. He's just a tiny baby, and he's absolutely all we really need. Each of you is a seed of hope in the world around you. It's time to let that grow and show other people the hope that is not rooted in our worldly circumstances. Let's sing about this hope. <laughs> 